Greetings everyone, I hope um, today's podcast finds you well. Um, you'll notice this one sounds a bit different um, because we're not recording it um, live in the living room um, with people there um, or babies crying or whatever noises we um, manage to have. Instead, um, I promised that I would record a couple of the talks that, that were kind of at the end of our last series, which was Love Without an Agenda. Um I promised that I'd record the final two talks over the summer and, and in my usual style I've spectacularly failed so I'm doing it just before we start meeting again um, but hopefully this will kind of help round off the series and the last two topics I think are really important um, because they're looking at things that are relevant to every single one of us um, and we're going to be looking uh, today at Loving Without Agenda um, those closest to us um, and I suppose the interesting thing is for each person, the role of those closest to us will look a bit different. Um, and I suppose in a way it's easier to describe it as um, thinking about significant others in our lives. It could be for you that you're talking about your partner um, or children might be those closest to you. It might be one of your parents or, or both your parents. It might be a best friend. Um or it might be a combination of, of a few of those different things. Um, and in some ways, I suppose it feels like we're all wired to seek out those significant relationships, aren't we? That we want to find people who we can build our lives with so that we don't feel on our own. People who can know us and love us for who we are. And and some people find that quickly. They naturally make those connections. They matru- naturally have um, those relationships. They find them in all sorts of different places. Um, sometimes we have the, the heartbreak and tragedy of losing some of those relationships. Maybe relationships break down and change. Um, maybe people pass away. Um and that's the challenge, isn't it, with those closest to us? We're trying to find these close relationships that really make a big difference to our lives. Um, and, you know, for some people, they can feel like they're on just a whole lifelong pursuit of trying to find um, someone who they w- would play a significant role in their lives. And I suppose what we're ultimately trying to find is that feeling of companionship. To know that we're not alone. That in our lives someone is there for us. And I suppose what often sets these kind of relationships apart is that love is the key driver. Sometimes with those other relationships that we talked about, so whether it's with work colleagues or your neighbours, there's an element of obligation because you're in the same kind of community or environment and you just have to get on with those relationships. Whereas when it's those closest to you, you're choosing these people to um, be major players in your life. And and love is the key driver in that. You, We want to love someone and we want to be loved. So what does love look like? Um, I'm going to jump in to um, the Bible and read uh, that classic passage, which is read at most weddings in 1 Corinthians 13. In the message, it says this, um, verses 4 to 7. Love never gives up. Love, love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. 
doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, um, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. And when we think about that verse, it, to me, that's kind of almost like the um, the goal, the aim of what does love actually look like? If we could be people who um, can work out how to do all of that stuff in that verse, uh, in those verses, um, that's that's us doing the best version of love we can we can do. Um, and that verse for me acts, just works as a brilliant reminder of what love looks like and and what we should be focusing on and, and you know what going back and reading that every now and then is an important leveler for us but this series isn't just about love we're not just talking about how do we love people um, it's how do we love people without an agenda and some weeks when we've looked at the topic of agenda it's looked kind of it's looked very similar but when we're talking about those closest to us I think agenda can have a massive role to play and it can really begin to impact how um, effective we are in our relationships with those closest to us. And what we can find is that agenda often makes um, the elements of relationship um, centre around us. So it talks about, um, it makes us think about how we might feel what we want or what we need to happen. And it often leads to there being an issue of control. Do you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a real challenge, isn't it? Because we talked already in this series about loving ourselves, the importance of loving ourselves. But at some point, there's this tipping point, isn't it? Where when, when does it move from being us so focused on what we need in a situation that it, begun, it begins to be damaging to other people? And I suppose that's what we want to talk about now and the issue of control. And control is complicated, isn't it? Mainly because it often appears in the form of us genuinely wanting the best for someone and I suppose then our plan of action to help them get there. So if we're talking about those closest to us, that love, the driver of love, will make us desperately want someone's life to work and, and, and to go well. Um, and I suppose also, we've got to be honest about ourselves, in most things in our lives, we can't help but think about how things will actually affect us. So our natural leaning towards making sure that we get what we want from any situation is is quite a driver um, in us kind of needing some kind of control in a situation. I think also the other thing with control is remembering that being out of control never feels comfortable. And experiencing that kind of feeling can often develop a more fierce approach in us to make sure that that never happens again. If you've had, ever had anything kind of um, swoop into your life and cause there to be a lack of control, it's really kind of um, unsettling. And I think we can then end up kind of almost um, preempting how things might go in life in order to never um, feel that kind of sense of being out of control again. But at its worst, controlling behaviour can actually end up trapping people in relationships 
almost like they're being held hostage by fear of what might happen if they don't do something or if they maybe get something wrong or if they think about doing something different. That control element, when it's at its worst, um, can be really restrictive in a relationship. And we can all see, can't we, when we think about it at its worst, we can all see that those kind of scenarios are destructive and wrong. But, you know, control can work subtly, sometimes without us even realising it. So I want to dig a bit deeper into talking about control and look at it in two different ways. I want to talk about control as passive uh, and active. And active control is, is what we would describe as clear controlling behaviour. It might be just about setting clear boundaries of what needs to happen and what you think in order to achieve what needs to be achieved. And in those scenarios, everyone is then aware of it. And because it's so clear, the person who's made those decisions rises and falls by the their kind of standards that they set for everyone else. And I suppose there are times in our in our lives where that is important. You know, when leadership is needed, when someone needs to take control of a situation, um, it's really important that someone does set clear expectations or demands or requirements uh, or boundaries of of how something needs to work in order for something to be achieved. It's normal that that would happen in certain environments. But, you know, the person who sets those um, standards um, kind of then, I suppose, has... If, if they're making that choice, they're either going to be right and wrong. And, and as we said before, they will rise and fall on the, the decisions that they make. And I suppose in relationships, sometimes being in control in a decisive way can be important. But, do you know, we could list all sorts of scenarios where it's good and it's helpful. But, you know, sometimes there's a danger that if we're not careful, it can get really heavy. I think sometimes about the way some parents are about their kids, even grown up parents thinking about um, trying to guide their kids in the decisions that they want to make. Do you know, sometimes that can be really heavy living up to the expectations of um, of your parents and it can be hard. Um, so that's active control. It's clear, it's obvious, and everyone kind of knows the, the expectations. But passive control is much more subtle. Um, the drive to have your needs met is probably still as strong, but the method used to achieve it is very different. We're more, we're more likely to use things like silence or distance or disconnection as our tools to get what we want and can easily um, become quite manipulative of those around us. And and that, do you know, that then creates like a, can create a sense of confusion or just a general sense of unease or a fear of what what, what we might be thinking. And actually, that it's it's quite a horrible way of controlling people because there's there's not the clarity of active control. Instead, it's this there's a mystery um, and there is a, there is that element of of confusion or unease or fear, um, and you know if you sit and, and think about relationships, you can probably see friendships or um, 
or even kind of work situations, but definitely relationships with people close to you where maybe some of those tools have been used. And it's not um, it's not helpful and it's something that we need to be aware of. So how does this stuff work in reality? Now, when we think about a relationship with someone close, it can be really tricky to get it right. Because, you know, the love element of it means that we want them to be happy, to be content, to be fulfilled, to be encouraged, to be supportive. But we we have needs too. We we need to feel okay as well. And in an ideal world, what would happen is we would communicate really, really well. And we develop relationships where we are balanced and are always thinking of the needs of the other person. And you know, the most effective way is if both people in the relationship do that, then you should both feel the benefits of that kind of approach. And that balance means that those relationships can flourish and affect and be really effective. Both people would feel considered. And the most effective approach, I suppose, in how we we build relationships with those closest to us is to build that level of communication into those relationships. So our so if we're struggling, our request doesn't come from nowhere and the whole foundation of the relationship suddenly needs to change. So, do you know, if you bottle everything up and don't ever say how you feel, sometimes you kind of get to a point where you're about to explode, but the other person's relationship has no idea that you'd ever feel like that. So it's about having that clear communication and clear understanding of this is who I am and this is how I feel and you both loving each other enough to want to make sure that that person is always seen and is always heard and the reality is none of us are exempt from feelings of control when we look at, I suppose, at the traditional image of marriage, even from 50 to 60 years ago, we can see um, the traditional image of the man being the head of the house, a submissive wife whose role is to provide for her husband's needs and ensure that he can do whatever he wants to do. And I suppose even within a traditional church context, it wasn't that long ago that you'd see um, male leaders gathering in their wives who were just there to support their husbands, meeting in an adjoining room to enjoy tea and cake while the men discussed the real business. And let's be honest, this has changed in a lot of settings. And in some ways, there's sometimes been a reaction against that tradition where relationships, I've definitely seen it over the years, relationships have swung the other way with a dominant female character making the calls with the submissive husband cowering in the background at times. And the reality is the, these things have been, have been a reality um, in the past, in relationships, in communities, in church settings, in all those kind of things. And what we're looking for is, I suppose, a, a balance that that doesn't allow these things to be dominant. Um, and we've got to be honest, haven't we? Different personalities will function differently. And one person may be the natural leader um, and they may be happy to make decisions but what we've got to be careful of is that we don't allow relationships to become um, completely dominated by one person. Um, and it's really easy to see that. Um, 
And I think if we're thinking about our own relationships, it's making sure that we're not just assuming that someone else's kind of lack of um, stepping forward and and giving their opinion um, means they haven't got anything to say. And I think when we're thinking about how we do this effectively, it's making sure we're those kind of considerate people. I just want to make a little side note because when we're talking about this kind of stuff, we often, the default and the natural thing to do when we're talking about relationships is to concentrate on our own contribution to relationships. Um, so um, we're often asking you to uh, be self-reflective and look at how you could alter who you are in order to benefit um, your relationships better. But, you know, when we talk about this stuff to do with those closest to us, I can't ignore the fact that sometimes there are people who are in these relationships who are actually the victim in the relationship. If we're talking about control or being dominated in a relationship, maybe you're the person who you I'm, I'm talking about yourself reflecting on how can you do a better role, but actually you're the one who's trapped, you're the one who's stuck. Um, and the idea of changing that relationship um, can feel hopeless and impossible. So when we talk about it not being all about us, what we're doing is we're attempting to combat any sense of self-centeredness. But it's important at the same time to see the difference between that and the realisation that if you are trapped in something controlling, then you need to be kind enough to yourself to see the importance of getting support, of standing up for yourself if possible, and then even going to the extent of removing yourself from a relationship that is really destructive and damaging to you. And I know that's complicated, isn't it? If that's a marriage, that is a tough thing. But no one should be stuck and trapped in a marriage where they're being um, they're being mistreated or abused. Um, but even friendships, you know, friendships are sometimes really difficult with this. Because there will be friendships that we have where you look at it and go, this is not healthy for me. This is not good. This person doesn't make me feel good. Uh, or I feel controlled. I feel scared of what that person thinks or how they will react to me in situations. And, you know, if that's the situation for you, if that's the reality, then maybe you need to ask yourself some really honest questions and say, is this a a, a life-giving kind of um, positive relationship for me to be involved in? So that's a little side note. Make sure you don't only self-reflect um, that actually you you also are aware that um, if you're stuck, then get support um, and and be kind of helped to make some decisions to change the way that uh, the way you function in that relationship. Um, so let's try and kind of begin to pull this together. Um, when we kind of think about this whole idea of control. The reality is in any relationship with those closest to us, we're often driven by what we would call the best intentions. We have the best intentions for people. And, you know, sometimes control can masquerade as protection or as concern for someone. And think about this with relationships with children. We don't want them to feel pain. We don't want them to suffer things like disappointment or heartbreak. 
And if we could help them avoid that, then do you know what? We would, wouldn't we? We'd do anything we could to, to help them avoid um, being in pain or being heartbroken. Um, I read a few interesting quotes about this uh, a few years ago and a, a middle school teacher called Jessica LaHaye uh, wrote a book called um, Why Parents Need to Let Their Children Fail. And she asks this, how do I teach students to learn and grow through failure and setbacks when their parents are so intent on making them a shining star? The truth is that learning from failure is paramount to becoming a resilient young person. Uh, psychologist Carol Dweck wrote this, if parents want to give their children a gift, the best thing they can do is teach their children to love challenges, be intrigued by mistakes, enjoy effort and keep on learning. That way their children don't have to be slaves of praise. They will have a lifelong way to build and repair their own confidence. And do you know what? As painful as it is to watch, we know that people have the opportunity to grow and thrive through things like disappointment and going through challenges and difficulties. And I suppose what we have to do is position ourselves to love and support in the most effective way through those times. We've got to be honest, it's easier said than done, isn't it? And I would say I've really struggled at times, especially parenting teenagers, um, because my my hope and my my um, my heart for that situation is to try and guide them and advise them and and shape shape their understanding of the world and and um, their response to situations so that they won't they won't make mistakes and they won't go through difficulties because um, I want them to I want them to to almost have um, wisdom before they've been through experience. Um, but you know what? With so many scenarios with my teenage kids, the only way they're going to learn is to go through it themselves. Uh, and sometimes they will completely ignore advice because they think they know better and they will learn exactly what you've said they will learn. And, you know, sometimes you just got to be really gracious with that and just go, well, actually, maybe I've got to understand that to learn. They've just got to um, they've got to make the decisions themselves and they've got to work it out for themselves. And that sometimes goes against your natural inclination when you really love someone that you want to protect them. You want to be able to to uh, make it work, f make it work for them. But actually, they're never going to grow um, and they're never going to learn it properly unless you just let them uh, do it so um, we talked about um, how do we um, how do we recognize a gender and how do we begin to get rid of a gender in those kind of relationship but what does love look like let's quickly go back and remind ourselves uh, of that passage in 1 Corinthians 13 um, it says this love never gives up Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Um, love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. And, you know, living that out can be really hard, but I do think it's a great reminder. And loving those closest to us without an agenda really does require us to not make it all about us. 
And this is probably something that we need to repeatedly check ourselves on. I know we said there's a balance between caring for yourself and not making it all about you. But maybe that's our life's work, isn't it? Trying to work that out. And if you can't remember the last time um, that you considered how um, people close to you might feel, then maybe something needs to change. So I'm going to quickly pray um, and just give you um, uh, just give you an opportunity after that just to think about this stuff for yourself. So, God, um, please be with us as we try and work out how do we love those closest to us without an agenda? Give us a nudge on the areas where we can be a bit better, we could be a bit more effective. And uh, God, I just pray that you would just guide us and highlight the things that, that you really think are important for us to prioritise. And God, where there's elements of control or there's, uh, there's elements of us interfering or, or being a bit overpowering, God, help us to to be humbled and to begin to re uh, readdress our approach in those situations god we just want to be the kind of humans that you called us to be so i pray you'd help us to do that as we try and work this out in our own situations so be with us now amen <laughs>